everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Butterflies and Bravery. We are today, episode 23. Um, I am your host, Whisper, and my beautiful host, Jemima Ferris. That's me. co-hosts. Yeah. And we are here today with a very special guest, Anthony Catalano. Did I say your name right? Catalano? Catalano. Catalano. Okay. Is that Italian? Sure is. <laughs> that's what I thought. That's what I, yeah, that's what I thought too. It's a nice name. Anthony actually joins us for a very unique reason. And we actually met in a unique way. So it, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really actually really excited about this because a lot of our, a lot of our guests that we've had are people that are within our network. And so this is like super exciting. And also there's like something really exciting going on here hear about it in a minute. There was a documentary that came out about us on Discovery Channel called Children of the Cult. It was a five-part five series. Five, yeah. yeah. And because of our podcast, I tried to keep tabs on what comes up. And I have a little like flag on Google and that kind of stuff. And I stumbled upon this movie called Last Testament. And it said in the description, it said children of God. And I was like, wait, what? Pretty much if there's anything that comes out about the cult, Children of God, whether it's a book, whether it's an interview, whether it's a documentary movie, whatever it is. I don't think there's ever been a movie yet. So that's unique. But yeah, at least people know about it. Like someone will post it in one of our groups and everything like that. And I was like, I have not heard about this movie that has something to do with the Children of God. So I, I went in, it's called The Last Testament, which I think is a brilliant title. And it turned out to be the story of Ricky. And I was like, wow, this is what's happening. And we'll get into it a little bit, like who Ricky is and everything like that. But Ricky is actually the, the son of the current leader of the children of God, Karen Zerby. He's her firstborn. We grew up in the cult, knowing him as the prince. He was royalty in the cult. And he ended up, unfortunately, having a very tragic end. And uh, it's been in the news. It's been in documentaries. So I got the information and I sent it to all the groups, like all the different Facebook groups and everything. I was like, anybody hear about this? And everyone's like, nope, didn't hear. (laughs) Nobody knew. And I was like, this is really unique. That's when I reached out to Anthony on Twitter. And I said, hey, do you have a personal connection to this? And I said, I'm wondering because I have a personal connection to this. I think that most people that have a story or have trauma or have survived, we all understand that there's like a touchy subject or a boundary line about when that story is told, how that story is told, who owns it, et cetera, et cetera. Like whenever there's something coming out about anything you're connected to like hackles <laughs> like, like what's happening and anthony and you responded and you basically in the end you didn't have a connection to the children of god cult but you saw the story or heard the story and it ended up being a personal connection to you and that's how this whole thing was born and so as anthony and i continued communicating and i learned more about your purpose and your reasoning behind the movie and everything like that. Because Jemima's a close friend of Ricky and we were talking about it and I was like, let's get him on the podcast. There's a lot of controversy sometimes about who owns a story. And the biggest thing that like sometimes can set people in our community and any survivor is if someone is getting financial gain from a story that's not theirs, like that can get people like what's going on. I saw it. It was on Apple. That was how it came along. And like I said, like when Anthony and I, we ended up communicating and I found out that he is just an amazing person with the biggest heart. And he had a, a really beautiful reasoning behind how this came about. And I'm going to turn it over to you, Anthony, because I'm super excited to hear how it came about for you. I had a unique way that we connected, like it happened out of the blue, <laughs> but it's kismet. So Definitely yeah, want to hear um, your story. Absolutely. Even my discovering the story, it, it's hard for me to even say the right verbiage because obviously everything you just said, it's not my story. So I've definitely struggled with that. Is this something that I should be telling? But ultimately it came down to, and we'll get to it, just what was in my heart and why I felt like I needed to tell the story even though it wasn't necessarily my story. Yes. My familiarity with the topic of Children of God and Ricky Rodriguez, I 
first discovered the story in 2017, so fairly recently. I was listening to a podcast series where they did a deep dive. There was like three or four parts, mm-hmm. episode series of just everything start to be basically beginning to yeah through basically the Ricky situation. Last podcast on the left is that the right correct. the right name? That's yes, correct. yeah. Yep. It's a great listen. It's like fun and tragic and. <laughs> And funny. No, it, it, it's first and foremost a comedy <laughs> podcast, which true crime comedy, you just, it's not something you expect, but they have a respect that they ultimately bring by telling accurate stories to deal with kind of the really heavy issues. Sometimes you need a little levity. So it helps mm-hmm. the medicine go down. <laughs> yeah, so, totally. So at the time in 2017, I was doing data entry as a day job. A little bit of my background. Movies have always been an important part of my life. I went to film school. Out of film school, I started my own video production company focused on live event stuff, weddings, stuff of that nature. So I would do that on the weekends and nights and then I'd have a day job to pay the bills. So I was doing data entry. I was pounding through these last podcast episodes and suddenly Children of God hits and it was just, whoa this is something different, like truly different. And a lot of it has to touch on my own personal experiences with trauma and sexual abuse and depression of that. Basically I listened to the series and it's just one of those things where I sit up at night, just thinking about the things that they've talked about. And that drove me to just, I want to learn more about Ricky because they spend the whole episode just talking about basically him birth to death. So I look up his video that he created on the night before he died. And I was like, maybe I'll watch five minutes or something just to get a visual representation. But then an hour goes past and I can't take my eyes off of this, both for how he's explaining his experiences, but also the manner in which he's explaining his experiences and describing his true inner turmoils for, again, lack of a better word but it was fascinating and then kind of that filmmaker aspect of me is like this is so interesting and raw it's the gamut of emotions yeah so again it's just one of those things it's just where it's it was just haunting and again just could not take my mind off of it and then just it took me a while to really pinpoint what was so drawing to me mm-hmm. then it really just started to connect with my own again personal background where as a child in like elementary school i went through sexual abuse uh, about somewhere in my extended family i never want to compare stories with everyone has their own experience <laughs> yeah absolutely this is not the trauma olympics even to quote ricky within his video it's not about comparing who had it better who had it worse it's about that it just should never happen period to go through that at a young age deal with the at the time, kind of confusion and not really understanding to storing it away in the back of your head for probably about 10 years to being a teenager where it floods back out. Then you deal with the depression side of it. And basically, since the teenagers have always dealt with some form of depression, anxiety, it's just been a part of my life. And a lot of it stems from my experiences. So being able to put myself watching his videos just a lot of what he said was things that I was always thinking about. Just the fantasy of what I wish I could do to change, to prevent. Again, he has a unique experience, but it's just, there's something universal as, I think, as a survivor of a trauma like that, that still latched onto. So Absolutely. It was a very unusual mirror. Even knowing just a fraction of a story, I could really felt deep down just an understanding of, okay, obviously what he ultimately did, which was take someone's life and then take his own life. That's not good, period. But you see the gray areas of, from a mental place, having that trauma affect you mentally, of feeling like there's no hope, of feeling like, no one else is going to give you justice. There's a lot of gray there. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. It's not convenient. Which is a big reason why I ultimately chose to do the movie and tell it the way that I did was mm-hmm. to try to tell an objective truth, which is extremely hard. But to be able to present just the facts of what happened to people who 
never knew that this happened, that it still goes on, that it's still an organization that exists with hardly any really justice that you would say. If I could tell the story as a platform to inform others, I hope that it would bring some awareness, some good. I think awareness is a powerful tool. Well, those are half of the reason why I ultimately wanted to pers- pursue going through with the movie. So at, at my core, I've always considered myself a filmmaker. I was always looking for the right project to do. I've been writing for 10 years, just trying to find the right project that I could do as an independent filmmaker. You talked about money. You have to question when money's being exchanged and really anything purpose behind that. I 100% funded this project. It all came straight out of my checking account. Thank so you. I didn't. I wasn't earning money while making... Yeah, no, absolute passion project, yeah. It was a passion project. Just as I was watching Ricky's video, it just kind of dawned on me of, again, my filmmaker brain clicks on, what if this was a movie? He's telling his story, but Mm -hmm. then as a filmmaker and the idea of working with an actor, how do we get a place creatively where we can work to tell that story? How do we internalize that story? to then present that on screen. Like it was just, it was almost like a thought exercise. I was like, Hmm. this is really fascinating as far as having my experiences. How do I try to work with someone with their experiences to try to find this, just dive into this third person's experience. That's so completely unique. So it became a a thing where, you know what? I think if I focused an hour of a movie just on this video, just creating this video, it would be amazing just as a challenge just to make it so it isn't just fresh off a carbon copy because what would then the point be, but also to present it in a way that's truthful to him. Yes. But then also to explore what happens after the camera stops rolling for him. Hmm. Then to explore that with all the information that's out there, the interviews, police records, trying to piece together this kind of road trip he eventually took from tucson to california how do you live with how do you process the things that you've done i think he showed a lot of remorse in what he did he was building a fantasy in his head once he started to commit certain actions the fantasy became broken and faced with the real world implications i think it showed his true colors and just how do we show that visually through a film it was very much part me exploring kind of my traumas and trying to educate and explore all these other traumas. It's hard to explore your traumas. (laughs) Since we started this podcast, it's been a big mental health kind of trip for me, I would say, the journey. Basically, every person that comes on, I learn something new about myself because of what they say about themselves. And it's amazing how much we as humans feel so alone. But we are all feeling almost the same way. We're all sitting here yeah. feeling super alone. And you Wishing... feel like you can't talk about it. So let's be alone together. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's one of the things we're trying to do with this podcast is to yeah. get people to talk about it because you're never going to resolve anything if it doesn't get talked about. I feel like you have to face every single thing that happened to you and acknowledge it. And be like, okay, this happened. And just to get to that point is really fucking difficult sometimes. Because <laughs> yeah. there's doors that you just do not want to open. You're like, I don't want to go there. But you know that you have to go there. It's like MRSA. I, like I had MRSA when I was apparently a baby in Hawaii. And I never <laughs> knew until recently I was covered in sores as a child. You know how MRSA, you have to scoop out the pus. You got to scoop it out from the sores. They dig into your skin and you got to get in there every day, rip off the scab and dig out the pus. And it is gross. It's disgusting, but it's the only way to heal it. And I think it's the same with your trauma. You've got to get in there. You've got to dig out all that pus and all that infection in your soul (laughs) and in yourself. It buries you, who you are. Your trauma comes on top of that. And then you're like, okay, wait, who am I? You got to go back down through all those layers and find out who you really are. Be true to yourself. Yeah. And that's really the only thing that you can ever be is, is yourself. So you might as well do it. Right. Yeah. Anthony, you said something that I think is just, it 
so right on. And that is that it's not convenient. None of this is convenient. And when you start processing your trauma and you start dealing with things that are going on, especially when it's connected to your family in some way, then it becomes not only not convenient, (laughs) it can become dangerous or aggressive or whatever, because there's other people involved. And if you're trying to find healing and if you have people around you that are trying to hide their shame or their or their pardon, it that it does it gets really complicated. And I think the lack of justice sometimes, where you're sitting there like, how can I ever bring this to justice? And ninety five percent of the time, we can't. And exactly like you said too, Anthony, I think that the, the awareness of this gross shit is a lot more pervasive and it's a lot more common than people want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes very convenient for people to not talk about it, for people to say, Hey, you just need to forget the past, put that away. We're not that anymore. Whatever it is that, that they're telling you to convince themselves for their own convenience is what, you know, is what becomes that wall, that barrier that you hit up against. When you told me, Anthony, some of the reasons why you made this movie, my heart just exploded for you because I'm like, I know. And instantly I was like, you're my brother. You went through something and it didn't matter where or how or why, whether it was a family, whether it was a cult, whether it was religion, whether no matter what it was that caused it, the experience at the end of the day is still true. And what's the doctor's name that they made the video? Dr. Gabor Mate. Yes. And when he says the child experienced trauma, not because of what happened to them, but because they were alone and what happened to them. So when you grow up and you start going back to heal that wound, so much of the healing does come from understanding and realizing that we're not alone anymore. And Anthony, you were like, I'm going to make a movie about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think it's just, uh, it's just wonderful. And you were telling me too, so you made the movie and then, like you said, for, it's a passion project for you, like funded out of your own bank account, but then you s- submitted it to, what was it? A- I submitted it to many film festivals. I got okay. into exactly one. Not surprising. It's, Again, as a, you say, passive passion project, the entire time making the movie, I knew it was going to be hard to be accessible to audiences for many reasons. Subject matter being a one, the kind of unique point of view that I portray the story being largely Ricky's own words. It's very unconventional. You could say a little art house. But yeah, so I, I knew it was always going to be an uphill struggle. I didn't know if it would find an audience. It was one of those things where... I knew the subject matter was interesting. I knew Ricky's story was interesting that obviously there's true crime in general is popular. So I always hope that I'd be able to bring it to people, but I always knew it was going to be an uphill battle. Mm -hmm. And as I got rejection letter after rejection letter, I'm like, okay, I guess it's just going to go on YouTube and we'll just hopefully the right people will someday see it. And the people who could benefit from it, will see it. Luckily, however, ultimately I did get into the, it is it's a uh, film festival in Oklahoma called the Bare Bones Festival. Very independent focus, which is pretty much what I'm all about. I'm all about doing it yourself. Yeah. Um, not being, because I, I don't think you can truly express yourself if you are trying to appease financiers, if you're trying to <laughs> answer to all these people, uh, especially on a subject matter like this. It, just the only way that I could possibly do this project would be with a very high degree of autonomy. So mm-hmm. luckily though, I found a festival that they really appreciated the subject matter. I spoke to the festival director there and it's a subject that if you've been touched by this type of trauma, it really runs deep. Yeah. But yeah, luckily I was able to have a theatrical world premiere and things led to another that opened the right doors where I got a sales agent uh, who then sold the rights to a distributor. So now where I thought literally I'd be lucky if people stumbled across it on YouTube, I now have a bigger platform to be able to share the story and educate people on mm-hmm. this 
these things that have happened and still happens. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, it's available on Apple. Pretty much all major digital video on demand platforms okay. it comes out October 19th. Um, it's yeah. available for pre-order on iTunes right now. But yeah, iTunes, Prime Video, YouTube, pretty much any major Hulu, Vudu, or not. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's going to be available to rent and it'll be also available on Blu-ray and DVD down the road. But yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to get the opportunity for as many people to see it and hopefully learn something. Yeah, that's fascinating. And and I love the coming together that it seems is happening more and more of survivors finding their voice of no longer being silenced. Because I do remember when I first saw Ricky's video, it was shocking to me in the sense that he was saying things. He just had let go of anything anymore any silence, any shame, anything that had tied him down, specifically and especially when you're a a victim of abuse. People around you want you to be quiet. You know, they don't want to hear it. And he just was like, I don't care. He was saying things that you think in your deepest, darkest places, you do have that feeling of like, could I get retribution? Because who else is going to get it for me? Just me. So it, it is a very like raw experience. What's really interesting too for me is like Jemima, he landed in your house, right? When he first got out of the cult. Yeah, they weren't even allowed to tell me where they came from. (laughs) I didn't know where they had come from. Uh, Ricky came first. Ricky came ahead. I had just left the cult like the fall of 2000, I think is when I left. And then he arrived at my house in January or February of 2001, I believe. I'm not sure if you know this whole story. His idea when he left was to make a a lump sum of money for him and Alexia to be able to basically just start their life. So he went on the fishing boats in Seattle because you can get on there. It's like a six week or eight week deal. And you make a, a lump sum of money. Just again, his mother is the leader, the current leader of the children of God. And she'd been the leader for since its conception, pretty much. She was probably running a lot behind the scenes, but Since Berg died, she was definitely the leader leading it. It was crazy to have Ricky in my house because we were just talking and just, I I had no idea who he was. James Penn, one of the former people that lived at David Berg and Karen Zerby's house, wrote this thing called No Regrets, which was like a big expose. And he talked to me about how they would, change their names every few months and get new passports and fake visas and all this other stuff. And he took me actually to one of the houses that they lived in in Canada. That was weird and crazy. (laughs) Just, (laughs) I don't know, just being there. It was like, oh my God, this is weird. (laughs) Looking at the walls and I don't know. It's so creepy. Ricky just wanted to be normal. He just wanted to be a normal person. That's all he wanted. He didn't even tell me that he was who he was until like a week after he came to my apartment. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my God, you should have told me. I, I would have cleaned and I would have done this and I would have cut because in my opinion, he was like, this is like Prince, you know, William or yeah. something coming to your house. To me, this is the royalty of my life is coming to my house. All of us wanted to marry him. <laughs> it was like goal, your life goal was to marry Davidito and to be the end time witnesses. I'm pretty sure every single girl in the cult wanted to marry him don't you think yes most of us yeah that was like the dreams that we had type of thing right yeah no he was a it was a big name but and i think that's what is actually also a very important part of the story is him coming out of where he was raised and just wanted to be normal just want that that was his that was all he desired was just to be had that life, that quiet life, the dog in the backyard, and and somehow he went from that to what ended up happening. Yeah, and I think even that's something that I picked up on, and because uh, just from my own experience, like I had a very supportive family throughout my situation. For me, it was less about not having the opportunity to talk about it, but more of me wanting to run from it. It was very much me shutting off that corner, that experience of my life. And just from my own experiences, you you can store it away for a while, but eventually it's going to come back. Like I remember there was a day 
I think I think it may, may, might have been a sophomore in high school where it just came back and it's just it was almost that experience was almost worse than yeah. going through the initial experience uh, just having it suddenly flood back was uh, uh indescribable yeah it's like getting hit by a Mack truck <laughs> yeah emotionally yeah absolutely yeah it's almost like a story of the end result of someone who couldn't find help, who couldn't find resources, who couldn't connect with the things that he needed to have to heal. And that's why like we constantly fight for that. There is a lot of ex-members from the cult, also like people that we get involved with. I do a lot of work with an organization that supports people that have gotten out of trafficking situations. A lot of the initial reaction is, let's bury this. Let's not talk about this. Let's put it away. Let's put it in a box, slide it under my bed, and I'm never going to think about it again. And uh, that never happens. It never happens in a person that ends up having a healthy, stable life. Like you might have individuals that have put it away (laughs) and they don't talk about it and they don't know, but there's something else going on. Because it's going to come out. It's going to have to be dealt with. You can't just say, I'm not going to talk about my cancer and therefore I will be okay. (laughs) Like, that's not how it works. I know there's a lot of religions out there that are the same way, that they don't believe in mental health issues. They don't believe in mental health problems. They're from the devil. You're possessed. You're out of God's will. These are all things that we heard over and over. And I know we're not the only ones. And so when you come out from an environment like that, how are you going to know? How are you going to know how to go and find healing and find help and find resources? You are not because (laughs) you've never, ever been allowed To be okay with your depression, to be okay with your pain and your anxiety, that was, you know, you were not allowed to. And whether it's self-imposed, whether it's just your small nuclear family imposed, or whether it's a larger organization imposition against you, it still is the same result of it starts leaking out. It starts leaking out in many different ways. So I think that is like, for me, that is definitely such an important message of you know, Ricky's story. But like you said, also just, I guess that the fact that it still happens and it still goes on and there is still constantly victims and survivors that need support and that need help from whatever it is that they're going through. So it's such an important thing for sure. And the voice of the victim is just an, an important part of it. And being willing to listen. I think it goes both ways. It takes a lot of courage to talk about something, but it also, to a degree, I think takes courage to listen as well. I think that's something that probably doesn't get talked about as much as that even. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So true. That's a really good point. So you said, did you start dealing with some of the stuff since you've been a teenager or it, it was more later on that you really started facing all, you know, the things that, had happened to you and that the ways that it affected you. Yeah. What happened to me went on for a little while. Then I eventually I told my parents and basically we went from there. And once the kind of the dust settled from that, I think I was in like second or third grade. So still pretty young. And I really just locked it away. Like I, yeah. it would come, come up every once in a while, like the person who did it was sent away for a while. And then there's always like a question about if he's coming back, will he be at Christmas? Will he be at a wedding? So right. we would talk about it every once in a while, but generally it just got to a point where completely shut out of my mind that I never thought about probably for years at some point. And then high school came and um, I'm really not even sure what spurred it, but it was just, you're dealing with a whole new level of like <laughs> personal traumas throughout your traumas and air quotes if you will just being a teenager and yeah. high school experience and it just it just flooded out one day and it I really didn't know how to explain what was happening to me internally it'd just be like driving down the street and then suddenly you cry I can't explain what's happening but I think I told somebody the story of what happened to me for the first time and 
probably 10 years and it was just, it all just kind of came out and I, I just got to a point where it's okay. I can't really put this back in the bottle. Mm. And again, I'm just thankful that the support of my family, they got me in front of a doctor and it's been an ongoing, it's, you gotta, it never goes away. I've been on the right course of medication since mm-hmm. 15, 16 years old. Without that, I have no idea where I would be mm-hmm. right now, but yeah. luckily I had the support that I know a lot of people don't have. Of course, I'm grateful for that. Once it came out, it's just, okay, now we have to deal with this. If I don't deal, I know I'm not going to be well. That's a pretty strong stance to take when you're just a teenager. I, I think that obviously speaks to your own strength and your own capabilities of looking at something and saying, I need to heal from this. And it's certainly trial and error because there's it's still, I'll run out of medication and suddenly, oh, it's been a week or two since I've had my medication. Then I find my mood changing. I find my demeanor changing. I'm like, oh, it's mental health is not something that you can control but it's ultimately your responsibility to take care of it comes down to a degree of personal responsibility and i take that seriously and but it's 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 not always easy yeah i have a couple more questions about the movie if that's okay one of the things i wanted to ask you is once you made the story once you finished the movie what was your experience doing that was there okay, I just like, I finished my project and there's that sort of like feeling of elation and happiness, or was there some emotional processing that you went through in finishing the movie? That's an interesting question. It's one of those things where I guess it kind of depends on which aspect you're looking at. As far as kind of the subject matter, it it gets to a point where you're living with the material every Mm -hmm. day. For me, it was three to four years. The, The elation is more for me came more of being able to say that this one goal that I've had since I was 13 years old of simply just making a movie period. Mm-hmm. I did it. What I did is after I finished it, when I was in high school, I worked at a movie theater. It's where I met my wife and I rented out a movie, a theater at the movie theater that I worked from 14 to 16 years old. And I screened my movie. I saw my movie on the big screen that, I worked at 15 years ago and it was, that was the perfect cherry on top. It was just the surreal for a full circle. Even one of my managers was actually working that night. The manager that interviewed me for the job 15 years ago, I I went up to her and said, I remember my interview and you asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up. I said, I want to make movies. And she said, yep, you're the first person. Everyone says that and you're the first person to follow through. So that's where, again, talking about, I don't think any money is going to touch, is going to be better than that individual experience. But yeah, it was a sense of relief. It was meeting your goal. But then you get into the valley after that of, okay, now I have this finished product. Now what? And then mm-hmm. the cycle of rejection of trying to get people to see it then has right. that complete opposite effect of, oh, I poured my heart and soul and money into this and is anyone going to see it but then luckily for me in that one percent of one percent where thankfully the right people saw it and hopefully it's going to allow more people to see it so it's like i said anything else beyond dumping it onto youtube is a dream can come true for me (laughs) that's Um, amazing yeah one thing that's standing out in talking with you is like you said that has been something that you wanted to do since you were 13. And I think that actually can be a very healing factor for people that have experienced trauma is to have something that you're very focused on a goal of a a way you're going. It obviously, especially with people that suffer from CPTSD or even PTSD, you can have a very hard time focusing on one thing and that's not. So this is not like saying like everybody needs to get something to focus on, but I I just want to acknowledge it as like one of the probably healing factors in what you went through in your life. Like you said, it brought you to your wife. That was in a way it's shaped your life in a good way. And I think that's, I think that's fantastic. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Like you I'm, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I can picture that desire being born of 
the life that I'm living is really traumatic and disgusting and gross and ugly. And I want to create something that's beautiful in my imagination. And that's where like movies come in. I can, I can see that for myself. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's just, it's just an amazing thing that took you from when you first decided all the way to where you are now today. And like you said, like a dream come true, you have, you've found success through all of this. Yeah. It, it, yeah. But hit it pretty much yeah on the head what's funny is you start to look back and like trace back of how did i get here and mm -hmm. what's really interesting for me is i was very slow to develop as a child i was in speech therapy all throughout elementary school i was just very slow i didn't talk before the age of three or four or something like mm -hmm. that i was in a lot of programs and i was part of one of these programs up here and my parents brought me onto a local news station to interview okay. them about the program that I was going through of trying to help to develop me because I was so far behind. And I have the video and it's me. I'm thinking I'm two to three years old. And I'm staring at all the lights and equipment. And it's fascinating just to see where I am now, see those seeds of just clearly it grabbed my attention. And yeah, yeah movies have always been a refuge for me. It's just one yeah. Just, I can get lost. I mean, it's, if I'm in a bad mood, put on a favorite movie and it can get me through it. For me, watching a movie can be a very therapeutic experience for a lot of different reasons. And yeah, just to be able to feel like I can contribute to something is all that I could ask for. That's great. That's Aww. amazing. What's your favorite genre of, of movies? Scary movies. Um, ah. <laughs> I, I think it, it, my kids are right there with you like they love the horror <laughs> scene yeah I, and i think there's a catharsis in that where you can be scared you can find a safety in being scared i think horror is unique in general that the community of people who enjoy those type of movies i found to be some of the nice people on the planet like i'll go to a <laughs> horror convention and it's just the nicest people and there's something about that genre that i think has a lot of creativity you, a lot of that diy spirit that i think you don't need the most money to make an effective good little scary movie you just need the creativity and the willingness to try and i appreciate that and yeah yeah that's really interesting well i actually read an article about that that said that watching scary movies can relieve anxiety. I think because you get anxious for the person in there. I like jump this high. <laughs> Every time it's that, like, you know, da, 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 I like go, my hands go up and everything. But I think, <laughs> I know it's funny. Tim thinks it's hilarious. Michaela's love. Like, did you seriously just jump at that? That wasn't even scary. I'm like, scared me. <laughs> but I think that's a release. It's a little bit of a release of that anxiety and that tension that you hold in your body because it's all related, your mental health and physical health. And I think a yeah. lot of us hold that tension in our bodies in one way or another. And, and so, yeah, it said that watching scary movies can be a real good release for your anxiety. So after that, I was like, all right, let's get on with the scary movies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think there's another aspect of it as someone who wants to make something that's scary. I think as a creative outlet, you're able to tap into the things that you're told to like not think about, to not explore the things that that's aren't true. socially acceptable. So it becomes, a, again, a kind of a cathartic release of being able to explore ideas, themes, scenarios. If I'm personally terrified of the concept of death, then there's something interesting about then exploring in a genre that's all about death. And then what do these type of movies tell you about death? There's a fantastic, on Netflix, uh, there's a show that just came out called Midnight Mass, and it's a horror miniseries, and it's like, it has the veil of the vampire TV show, but it's truly all about dealing with the thought of death, and it's, just, it's beautiful, it's thought-provoking, mm. it's really what I think is the kind of like, higher level of kind of intellectual horror that is really exciting and really interesting of uh, being able to use a kind of a, an expectation or a style of story to then explore something entirely deeper is really interesting yeah for sure yeah it's a, and and then it becomes a reminder too of, of how short life is and how it can be taken away in a moment. It's like that phenomenon when you go to a funeral and then after you want to do something that makes you feel alive because it, it's just that reminder that, hey, 
We are not promised tomorrow. There is no guarantee. And you can watch these rom-coms and be like, oh yeah, that'd be nice if that would happen and stuff like that. But it doesn't really affect you in a stimulating way. So I think that's really interesting and interesting exploration for sure. (laughs) It's really weird too, because every movie I watch, I completely forget until I watch it the second time, but not (laughs) horror movies. I got the whole story start to finish. No problem. (laughs) sticks in my mind. Every other movie is, I don't remember that part. Have I seen this movie? something I watched like two months ago and I'm like, I don't remember watching this. <laughs> but yeah, those, so those stick in my mind, I think, because I don't know, it's almost relatable, the feelings of terror. And it almost makes you feel not so alone in your terror because you're like, oh my God, these people are terrorized too. I don't know. <laughs> kind of weird, but yeah, you could make a horror true. movie about us. We got lots of horror stories. <laughs> 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 that's true speaking of so what so what so what's so what's next for mr anthony Cadillac? um uh working on a project a lot of the main kind of casting crew that i, I had a very small and intimate casting crew we actually shot in may of last year so right at the height of the pandemic luckily mm. i i lost one or two people but there were luckily there were like minor things that we were able to truck on with but no yeah writing in the process of finishing up a screenplay right now and we're hopefully gonna film in 2022 but the last testament was such an outlier for me for just mm-hmm. even like the subject matter there's definitely i would say a thriller aspect to it just for the experience of watching ricky go through what he's going through nothing overt i was very intentional there's a lot of times just on set where i'm like i feel this is becoming exploitative and so i really just made sure that whenever i felt that i always scaled back if i felt that way i always made sure i gave myself another more subtle option just for handling the more kind of gruesome things that happen so that's almost something i'm very proud about last testament is i truly in my heart don't feel like i was exploiting anything that i was trying to just tell the truth the facts of what happened in as impartial as possible but yeah now i'm just trying to get back to more of a fictional kind of (laughs) spooky movie yeah just <laughs> last testament was just great obviously the actors that i cast the dominic alicia who plays ricky just completely transformed himself our first day in costume i shaved his head and it was just it was spooky just sitting like i just i couldn't look at him he embodied ricky in a way that i just i could not have ever in my wildest wow imagined did you have them watch the the video i know he watched it that was a balancing act on a creative level of how much are we going to rely on that source material ultimately my main goal was to use his video as a resource as far as his kind of tone of the way he talks in that video is so fascinating because it's such a relaxed kind of he's so calm for what he's talking about it's just like it's not what you would expect the words coming out of his mouth his demeanor is so radically different so i really wanted to capture that but beyond that i really wanted my actor dom to be able to also explore and try to find other ways so that's not just mimicking that he's trying to find that characterization within so it was definitely a balancing act i never yeah, I encourage them to use it as a resource, but it was even just intentional where it just got to a point where it's just got to find our own way through the material. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Really interesting. Um, yeah, we're super excited. Whisper's coming to visit me, so we're going <laughs> to watch it together on the 19th, and we're very excited. Yeah, yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, last, last testament. <laughs> Coming out October 19th. Congratulations. Congratulations on this. Especially that it's over been over the span of a few years. I that's yeah, that's amazing that you that you did that. <laughs> yeah, it's surreal. I also always come back to where there's that kind of internal struggle of I want to be excited for it, but yeah, it kind of always comes back to the reality of I hate for how this project had to ultimately derive from that place mm-hmm. of truth but i think it's a good thing ultimately for people to be aware to know his story the story of 
the other survivors of the cult. And I think it's just also important to know that these people are still out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is also like a testament to the fact that sometimes you can feel even alone in your experience. It's very easy for us as ex-members of this cult to feel like we have something happening that's different for us from everybody else. But yet, here's the story. It touched you. You felt the connection in your life and what you went through, and it made a difference in your life. There's always something that can come around and help someone else by telling your story, even if it makes a difference for one person. I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, I mean, even in... The video that Ricky recorded at one point, he has like a call to action for people to continue the fight, to continue trying to reach out. He thanks the journalist of who tried to report on it. And that's where I really fell into it of, yeah, I, I don't have the firsthand experience. I wasn't in the cult, but I recognize the tragedy that has happened. Making this film was one small thing I felt I could try to help, try to do what part I felt I could try to do yeah yeah I think it's fantastic it's, yeah. it I totally agree it's something that people should know about and it wasn't just a big event it was a big reason I think his ultimate goal was to end the cult and in my opinion he succeeded because yes. completely <laughs> online now And so many people left after what he did. Like the whole thing just really crumbled. And I think that was a lot of his goal was to take the whole thing down so that they couldn't hurt anybody else. And Ricky was very burdened by all of us and all of our stories. When you get together with other people that have been through what you've been through, your first reaction is, oh, hey, remember this, remember that? And Ricky and I talked a lot about those kind of stories. And I think he had a lot of those experiences with other ex-cult members, too, that he visited California. He had quite a few friends everywhere, basically. And I really feel like that was a lot of his pain was mm-hmm. that he in some way felt responsible for our pain because of the position that his mother put him in. And that that really breaks my heart because what happened to him was bad enough. He doesn't have to take on the pain of all of us on top of it, but that's what he did. And it's really just heartbreaking that it had to come to that. And that's the course of action that had to be taken for something to be done, for somebody to listen, for people to stop and be like, oh, okay, what? Wait, what's going on? Yeah. But the fact is, there's a lot of other cults out there. There's tons of other people probably doing these exact same things to somebody else. Yes. And I think which is, if you don't keep talking about it, even after it happens, that gives people then the opportunity where, yeah, what Ricky did was almost 20 years ago at this point. If you stop talking about it, that's going to give people the opportunity to take advantage. And I think it's part of the importance of revisiting and keeping that dialogue open and keeping people aware of all of this. Yes, absolutely. 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 Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. He was such, he was just such a sweet fellow. He was so jovial and happy and joking and casual and accepting. And he was just a beautiful person. Being around him was so fantastic. I was the witness at their wedding as well, him and Alexia, they just got married in the little backyard wedding in Tacoma, but sad. Makes me sad. And and thank you, Anthony, because I think for me, I just want to say that sometimes when you're trying to heal from your past, you feel like you're screaming into the void, but you listen and you said, I want to do something. And I think that's definitely worthy of a big thank you. It really touches me that you felt that not just that it resonated with you, but that you said, Somebody should be listening to this. <laughs> Somebody should hear this. Yeah, and I hope you always, you continue in your life. I hope you'll be able to feel heard in whatever that you go through as well. I hope that for you. I hope that for all of us, but I hope that comes back to you in many ways. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And one of our other podcasts, when we were talking with Sandy, the first generation member, <clears throat> she said, she called it the biggest crime 
of the 20th century that nobody's heard about because there was thousands of children that were abused and almost none of us have gotten retribution. A couple have, but not very many. Yeah. But that is the story of many people that experience sexual abuse, like as children. So Yeah, because people don't want to break up their families. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it happened in my family. How do yeah. you, you love your family and you cherish your family? And my daughter didn't tell me for years that anything was going on because she didn't want to break up our family. That's what she said when I asked yeah. her, why didn't you tell me? I didn't want to, I didn't want to hurt our family. And yeah. I think that's the case in a lot of reasons. And these children just suffer in silence and it's just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's so heartbreaking and it just carries on happening so much. I think the more than people know, because they say, oh, one in five or whatever, but I feel like almost every family, at least someone has had this experience. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's heartbreaking. The damage that it does is lifelong and sometimes unsurvivable. Yeah, that's true. Thank you so much, Anthony. I'm looking forward to seeing the movie and hopefully we'll keep in touch and I'm sure you'll have lots of people reacting to it. And I think it's going to be great to hear from you what you're hearing and we'll tell you what we're hearing. (laughs) Yeah, I was just so happy that you reached out to me. I have no idea how you found me. I have zero online presence. So The survivors are ultimately the people who I'm the most scared for them to watch because obviously this is so personal to you guys. But my heart was in the right place. I I truly believe that. And I just hope that I do too. I just hope that the truth of that can be recognized that just the truth of what happened. Well, like we've been saying, it's not convenient, but it's important for so many reasons. And I just hope that, yeah, that there's some level of appreciation for the story being told. And I just hope that people who have never heard of this are able to find their way to it as well, because I yeah. think a powerful tool of the medium of film is to bring things to people who they would have otherwise no idea. So I hope that yeah. happens. That's that's my hope. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Thank you so much, Anthony. It was wonderful talking with you. It was really nice to put a voice to, to the name and, and a face. So thank you. Yeah. And if people are interested in learning more about the movie or information of where to see it my production company is on facebook uh, you can look up dead letter productions on facebook okay a uh, trailer behind the scenes information and where you can watch it will all be updated there yeah just invite you to check that out and see where you can find the movie perfect thank you okay so dead letter oh. productions that's wonderful i like, I like that thank you all so much for listening and as always stay brave and remember that every butterfly was once a caterpillar.